0: Please take out your Bibles tonight and let us turn to the passage that we covered at length this morning that we began with. Let us please turn to Ephesians chapter one as we continue tonight with sort of part two, sort of a sequel, call it what you will. Ephesians chapter one, if you would please. For those of you that were here this morning, This will be extremely familiar territory at least to begin. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I don't know how big the heavenly places are, but I know this. The spiritual blessings throughout, and we have every one of them as children of the living God. Just as he chose us in him, notice the timeline, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. That was the plan. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The plan, the purpose, the message, and the mission of God, which he had in place before day one, Since before he ever laid the first foundations of the earth, Job 38, 4 through 6. And since before even time itself ever started, we can't imagine before time began, but there was, I want to say there was a time before time began. There wasn't a time before time began, but God was there. And this plan was in place before time began, 2 Timothy 1.9 and Titus 1.2. That plan, since before the foundation of the world, was simply this to show his great love for his creation by his personally coming in the flesh to pay for their sins and making sure that every sinner on the planet both knew and had access to that forgiveness which he provided through that incredible sacrifice of himself when he came in the flesh to his creation. And nothing, absolutely nothing on this earth which he created, or during the course of time which he also created, nor anything ever done by the billions of human beings that he created to live on his earth during that time, all of which he created, none of that has ever changed or even slightly altered that plan right there, that plan, that purpose, that mission, that message, nothing. You know, it was shortly after God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis one and two, and God created time to govern in the beginning. He created time to govern his creation wasn't too long after that, that mankind fell, that mankind sinned and mankind fell in Genesis chapter three. You know what God did? God immediately, immediately began to unveil that plan, that purpose, that mission, that message. God began to unveil that right in Genesis three in verse 15. Alluding to Satan's demise at God's own hand when God came in the flesh. He let him know right there in Genesis 3.15, I've got a plan and the seed of the woman is going to crush your head, Satan. Starts right out, showing him the plan, alluding to it. Well, as we move along through the scriptures in Genesis chapter 6, We see that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and the Lord was sorry and grieved in his heart, verses 5 and 6. And so God brought this great flood upon the earth to destroy pretty much everything and everyone. But even, even that flood, even that flood that wiped out pretty much everything, not totally, but pretty much everything, even something as cataclysmic as that worldwide flood did not change. Or alter that plan, that purpose, that message, that mission that God put in place before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1 4. Because in that account, we find that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Peter would tell us later on in 2 Peter 2 and verse 5 that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. God simply used Noah as an example and allusion to. That plan, which was in place before the foundation of the world, Peter tells us that in 1 Peter 3 18 through 22 and 2 Peter 3 1 through 18. Time rolled on. A lot of things happened. Good things, a lot of bad things in this world. Time rolled by, and neither the rejection, the rebellion, the unfaithfulness, or the insubordination of his own people, as we read about repeatedly throughout exodus and leviticus and numbers and deuteronomy and on up into judges none of none of his own people's rejection and rebellion changed that plan one iota nothing that happened changed that plan as a matter of fact Right in the middle of Moses' instructions to the Israelites as they are preparing to cross over into the Promised Land, God let them know in no uncertain terms that that plan and that purpose and that mission and that message was still intact in Deuteronomy 18, 17 through 19, where he told how he was going to raise up a prophet, talking about Jesus. He was letting them know, even though they didn't understand it, the plan's still in place. Despite all you've done or all you will do, the plan hadn't changed. Eventually, as the years rolled by, even those same people of God who outright rejected him as king and demanded a human one came along. We know the story and we know that two out of three of those kings weren't much more faithful than the people who demanded having a king in the first place. Now you'd have thought if anything, you know what, what God said to Samuel, he said they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me from being king over them in First Kings 8. You would think that if anything would get God to change a plan and say it ain't worth it or whatever, that would have done it, but God, the plan didn't change. Even that, even their rejection of God as their king did not change that plan, Ephesians 1-4, that he had put in place for the foundation of the world. In fact... those kings gave God the opportunity to make the plan a little clearer. We would note this from 1 Chronicles 17, 11 through 14. We'd notice from Psalm 22. We'd notice from Psalm 69 as, as God began to tell how it would come through this, this king, this Messiah that was the plan since before the beginning. This, this Messiah would come from the lineage of David and that there wouldn't be a lack of a king on the throne The message was still in place in david's day same plan not altered time came time went tyrants rose tyrants reigned tyrants ran roughshod over the people and then they perished as the years passed by whole generations of families were born raised flourished died faded away and were forgotten but not any of the events of those lives changed the plan. Wars were waged, battles were fought, and lives were won and lost as winners and losers faced the results of their involvement in those things. But the plan didn't change. Through it all, the plan, purpose, message, message and mission of God was neither changed, altered, edited, nor did it waver. As we come up to the time of Isaiah, approximately 700 BC, as we come up to the time of isaiah god's people were living under the ever deepening shadows of the approaching babylonian captivity and you know what god told them if i may paraphrase then i'll point you to some verses god told them don't worry the plan's still in place this isn't going to change the plan the plan he had since before the foundation to send jesus in fact isaiah would go into how the messiah in this plan just like it always been this this messiah would be born of a virgin isaiah 7 in verse 14. how he would be called emmanuel god with us isaiah 9 6 and 7. god even went on to let the people know through the prophet isaiah that death would be swallowed up in victory as he said in isaiah 25 8 and 9 He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Their lives, you gotta understand, their lives, They were facing captivity. When King Nebuchadnezzar came in there, a lot of them would would die. They would perish as he assaulted Jerusalem on multiple occasions. He took Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, amongst some of the other nobles and rulers' children, back to his kingdom. This was a time of, of life and death for them. But no matter what was going on in their lives, God said, the plan comes first and the plan is still in place. Don't worry about it. Isaiah would go so far as to tell the people in Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12, how this Messiah, this plan, just like it had always been, he would bear our griefs, he would carry our sorrows, he'd be wounded for our transgressions, he would be bruised for our iniquities, and that he would bear and pay the full price for all of our sins. That's in Isaiah. As we know, we're familiar with Isaiah 53. God's just telling his people, plan hasn't changed no matter what's going on in your world. Despite all of the horror and terror and destruction and death that the people of Jerusalem would suffer over the next 150 years at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, God made sure, God is so awesome, God made sure to let Daniel know, Daniel in captivity, know, and wanted the people to know through Daniel that his heavenly plan and purpose put in place before time began was still unscathed, unchanged, intact, and right on schedule. Daniel chapter two, right? In the days of those, you're the king now, and then there's going to be this empire, and then there's going to be this empire, and then there's going to be this empire. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never perish, never be left to another people. What's God telling Daniel? In in uh, telling all of them in Daniel two. Uh, plan hadn't changed doesn't matter what Nebuchadnezzar does plans same he's not going to edit it another approximately five and a half centuries go by with all of their tears and trials and world events and tyrants you know what happened at just the right time at exactly, precisely the exact moment in time that the plan called for. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Galatians chapter four, verses four and five. Just what the plan and purpose and mission and message had called for since before time began. Brethren, phase one of the plan was sending Jesus to die for the sins of the world. And nothing, nothing on earth. Hear me, hear me loud and clear, nothing. Not the sin, the sickness, the death, the pride, the politics, the wars, the rebellions, or anything else on earth. Nothing on earth throughout the first 4,500 years of creation had been allowed to affect or alter or change or stop that plan. 4,500 years and nothing in the course of world events, nothing, no matter how cataclysmic, no matter how horrible, nothing had been allowed to affect or alter or get in the way of carrying out that plan. God made sure of it. Now it's time for phase two. It was time for phase two of that same original pre-creation plan, and that's what we need to phrase it as, the pre-creation plan, Ephesians 1, 4. It was time for that pre-creation plan's phase two, the mission of taking that message, taking that message of what Jesus accomplished to the lost world, and, and that taking of the, of the pre-creation plan, that phase two after, after Jesus took care of his part of that plan, that taking of the plan to all of the lost world, God didn't just do it so that some people could respond to it, he did it so that everybody in the world could have that, that chance of hope of eternal life. It was time to take that phase of the plan, same plan, but to take it with the same undeterred, indestructible and indistractable intensity that God had accomplished the first part. He tells them that. Please turn to me in your Bibles to Luke 24. Just as nothing was allowed to stop the plan or change it of Jesus coming nothing was to stop the next part of that plan and that's telling everybody what he came to do and he came for. In Luke 24 when Jesus comes back to them after having been resurrected from the dead. Look in verse 44. Jesus said to them, Luke 24, 44, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning. What's Jesus telling them? He's saying, look, this has been the plan all along. This is the plan that you all been hearing about throughout the centuries. It had to happen this way, this was the plan. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, because that's the plan. And here's the second part of that plan, or the, the, the next phase of it, however you want it to, to say it. And that repentance and remission of his of sins, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning. Jerusalem verses 44 5 and 6 this has been the plan that I come and do this now here's the rest of the plan everybody needs to know and you need to go tell them that's the rest of the plan now we're very familiar of course with Matthew and near the end of his gospel and what he said that Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Guess what, guess what Matthew's account gives us? Next phase of the plan. Mark does the same thing in Mark 16, 15 and 16, when he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. What does mark's gospel close with hey here's the rest of the plan now that is exactly what our first century brethren and the messengers did they were messengers of that plan and they took that plan into the world because that's the way god intended from the very beginning i know that there is no way that we can truly sit here tonight and envision the fullness of the political cultural and spiritual corruption and upheaval that there was there in the days surrounding the crucifixion and throughout the first century for those citizens of jerusalem in the surrounding area we cannot begin to fathom that political cultural and spiritual upheaval and yet despite all of it Peter and the rest of the apostles didn't even flinch. In the face of those same religious authorities that within the past six weeks had had their lord and master crucified. Despite their being repeatedly arrested, imprisoned, interrogated, threatened, and beaten, you know what they did in Acts four and five? You know what they did? They continued with the plan. Read Acts four and five. They were arrested or or put under, uh, they were taken to jail several times. They were beaten. They went through all of this, but they knew the plan. The plan was Jesus came, he died for your sins, and we need to tell everybody. And not their time spent being beaten or anything else was gonna change the plan. Later on when the bottom fell out of their world in Acts 8 and people were out for their blood because they were Christians, and people had to flee from their homes, they didn't, even in the face of those things going on in their world, let that life-threatening situation or those circumstances negatively impact or influence the plan. They didn't let the fact that they were run out of their homes distract them from the plan. They knew the plan. And so, what did they do? Everywhere they went, as they ran for their lives, they preached the gospel. Acts 8, verse 4. Acts 11, 19 through 20. As we continue on through the scriptures, throughout and despite the spiritual upheaval in the church when King Herod had James put to death and arrested Peter, hoping to accomplish the same thing on him in 44 AD, as we see outlined in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, and throughout and despite the social and political upheaval, As Claudius expelled all the Christians from Rome in around 49 AD, according to Acts 18 and verse two, despite the physical upheaval of the known world's famine of 44 to 46 AD, as recorded in Acts 11 and verse 28, worldwide upheaval, if you will, the famine, and despite all the countless sufferings of all the faithful carriers of the gospel message throughout the first century and beyond, the mission, the message, the plan, never changed. The importance of it never changed. Over, above, and beyond everything else on earth, the only thing that mattered was the plan, the purpose, the message, the mission. Go tell people what Jesus did despite everything that's going on in your world, Acts 20, verses 22 through 24. And you know something, I don't know if you ever considered this, but even something as huge, I believe, if I remember correctly, Josephus said that somewhere near a million Jews died in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. I I can't tell you that for sure, but it seems as though I recall that number. And as I said this morning, the atrocities during the destruction of Jerusalem were, were almost beyond our ability, even if we read it, to really comprehend But you know, even that did not change the disciples' part of the plan and the purpose and the mission and the message. I'll tell you why. You'll recall in Acts chapter eight that they were all scattered during the persecution that Paul put out there, except the apostles, they remained in Jerusalem. And it is believed that John was one of those who stayed pretty much in a big part of the Jerusalem church till sometime between 67 and 70 AD. Sometime just before Jerusalem was surrounded and destroyed, John is believed to have left. But even that cataclysmic event in their world was not enough to stop the plan, and and here's how we know that. We have John leaving Jerusalem, most likely between 67 and 70 AD. Where's John? 20, 25 years down the road? You know where he is? He's exiled on the Isle of Patmos. You know why? Because he's still preaching the Word of God. He tells you that in acts. He tells you that in Revelation 1. I John, your, your brother and fellow partaker of the kingdom and the tribulation, he tells you, he says, I was on the Isle of Patmos because of the Word of God. Twenty-five years after the destruction of Jerusalem, that wasn't enough to stop the method, the, the mission. That wasn't enough to stop the message. That wasn't enough to stop the messengers, as huge as that was in their world. John's still carrying on with ministry and telling people about Jesus 25 years down the road, so much so that they imprisoned him. He didn't stop. The plan didn't change, no matter what in the world was going on. Mm. As we move into and up beyond where the Bible covers and we move on up into history, all through the religious persecution of the Roman Empire during the next two centuries A.D. and then after the... Roman Catholic Church was established by Constantine in the 300s and as we carry all the way up through the dark and, and the Middle Ages, you know what? The plan, message, mission never changed. Everything that went on in the world never changed it. It was the most important thing on earth to God, you know why? Because it affected eternal souls and it told of the price that he paid, because remember, what god's plan was from the beginning because of his great love to come and to redeem his creation who had fallen and to make that available to everybody that was the plan and it was so important to god because eternal souls are involved that, that nothing that happened in the world changed it and as we keep going up through history up throughout all the wars and the plagues and the kingdoms and the killings and the cultures that have come and gone that plan and purpose and message and mission never changed never changed Consider the history of this country. Consider with me, if you will, moving on up into the 1700s, you know, 76, right? Just a couple of decades after the conclusion of the Revolutionary War. As the war ended in 1785, just just a little while, 15, 18 years into the future, not far at all, as History turned the corner into the 1800s. Men like Alexander Campbell, Barton W. Stone, Raccoon John Smith, as well as other great gospel pioneer preachers, you know what they were doing? They're carrying out the plan. Plan's been in place since before the world began. They were carrying out the message. They're carrying out the mission to take the message. Continuing to preach and teach the lost who were being converted to the one Lord and the one faith and the one church and the one baptism of the New Testament in droves. You read some of the stories in the Spiritual Sword about some of these pioneer preachers getting out there and and just people were being converted in gobs, okay? I mean, they just, that was the plan. And nothing going on in the post-revolutionary war United States was any more important to them because that was God's plan no matter what was going on in their world. We move up into 1860, just six short years before the death of Alexander Campbell in 1866. In 1860, this world was, our our United States, was torn in two by a bloody civil war. And only about three decades later, the Lord's Church was similarly torn in two by a civil war as well, as the vast majority of those in the Church of Christ in the Lord's church, the vast majority wanting unscriptural changes took, listen to these numbers. You can go back and look these up. I'd heard them once and I went back, I'd heard them more than once. I went back and looked them up again just before this sermon. As those wanting to make unscriptural changes in the Lord's church took seventy six percent, just over three-quarters, seventy. Six percent of the congregations and eighty-five percent of the members and went off to form another man-made denomination. Did you hear me? Eighty-five percent of the members. The Lord's Church that stays on the straight and narrow, that goes strictly by the book, could have perished at that point. They lost eighty-five. There's only fifteen percent of the the numbers left. What happened? You know what happened. That 15% rolled up their sleeves and got on with the plan. They took the gospel message out. That's what they did. That was the plan. Despite this huge division in the church, this huge division, the Civil War, and the country torn in two, and then just, just, just 30 years later, the, the church being ripped apart. The 1907 census showed that the church had been, been torn in two. And, and despite all of that, and that upheaval, and all of that mess, they went out. And they preached. They carried on. They spread the message. They carried on with the mission that God had put in place before the foundation of the world. And guess what happened? Lord's Church started to grow and flourish again because they carried out the plan. As we roll on through history, we turn the corner, corner into a new century. Then came World War I, the Great Depression, The Dust Bowl, the Nazi Holocaust, World War II, millions of lives lost. Catastrophic happenings in our world as millions of people perished as a result. But you know what, even in the aftermath of of such unthinkable death and destruction and, and war in our world, even in the aftermath of such an all-consuming global catastrophe as some of those in those world wars. You know, the importance of the God-given mission of spreading that one pre-creation plan and purpose and message of salvation never changed. know what happened? As a result, in post-World War II America, the churches of Christ continued to grow at an exponential rate. They experienced a steady upward membership trend in the post-World War II era, why? Because despite all that had happened in their world, these people realized that the number one priority was the plan of God in telling people what Jesus had done for them. Time passed by, people passed away. The years rolled on. Then came the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, and the war in Afghanistan. Americans grew more and more affluent and ever more preoccupied with the things this world has to offer over that time. Advances in technology and so many things happening in our world. And people got caught up in that. It's easy to get caught up in the things of the world, isn't it? It's easy to get caught up with what's going on in our world, isn't it? Kind of lose sight of the plan. In the last year and a half or so, that trend has continued as we have gotten caught up, maybe, or consumed with such earthly pursuits and priorities as politics, what's going on in our culture, yes, the pandemic. There's been a lot of things to attract our attention. There's been a lot of earth-shattering things happen, if you will, not like the flood or the world wars, but nonetheless. Maybe when you consider the casualties of the pandemic. But you know what? God's pre-creation plan and purpose and message and mission has outlived and has outlasted and has outshone every single physical, earthly human problem that ever existed. And in fact, that plan has the power to solve most of those problems, doesn't it? How much, if everybody in America would turn and do it the way God said to do it, you think we'd have a few less problems in the world? You think we'd have maybe a few newscasters who'd be out of a job? (laughs) God still that plan and that purpose and that message is 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 still priority one it, 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 it overshadows everything else in the world remember what I told you in the beginning God's plan which he put in place before time began was to show his great love for his creation by personally coming in the flesh to pay for their sins And then make sure that every single sinner on the planet knew and had access to the forgiveness which God came and accomplished for us on Calvary. In the first 4,500 years of that plan from Genesis 3.15 all the way to that Friday morning when Jesus said it is finished for the first 4,500 years or so. God let absolutely nothing that went on in the world change affect dethrone edit compromise that plan, nothing. And just as over the past 2000 years his faithful children have similarly let neither war, persecution, affliction, or division either alter or deny or derail their efforts to carry out their God-given portion of that plan right there in Ephesians 1. Brethren, it's time for us to put the problems of the world and the issues of the world that may have distracted us from that plan over the past year and a half behind us and get on with the plan, the mission, the purpose. Not be sidetracked, not be distracted, but to get on once again and not let anything deter or derail our efforts to carry out that God-given portion of that plan and get back to carrying it out to seek and save the lost. Needs to be priority one remember this morning's sermon we are part of an eternal plan it hasn't changed God hasn't let anything get in its way we need to make sure that we don't get in its way and that we carry out that plan it's our generation it's our turn this has been God's plan and purpose and mission and message since before day one still is, and it's time for us to hit it full throttle. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You want to talk about a blessed? You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Therefore... Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, verses 18, 22 through 24, and 28 and nine. No matter what in the world has gone on for the last 6,500 years, People of God have had one plan, purpose, one mission to carry out, one message to carry forth. It's our turn. Let's go forward and let people know what an awesome God we serve, how they need their sins forgiven, and only Jesus can do that. And let's let nothing that's going on in our world get in the way of that. That's been the plan. Since before the foundation of the world God did his part it's our turn to do our part to bring glory to God I hope that today's two lessons have really made us stop and think and maybe as we get back on track get back on track with the one plan that really matters if you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins or if you need the prayers of the church for any reason any reason at all but certainly also including, I just need to reach out to more people. I need to reach out stronger. I need the courage and the faith and the strength to do that. If you need that tonight, let's do that. Let's do that. That's the plan. Let's carry it out. You have a need to come to the front as we stand and sing.